This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Soldier On is a program run by the Canadian Armed Forces. Soldier On offers opportunities and resources to service members who sustain injuries or illness. Marco Pasqua spoke at one of their conferences last week. Marco is the co-founder of Meaningful Access Consulting. Hey, good morning, Marco. Good morning, Dave. So, Marco, just starting very broadly here, what, what were some of your takeaways from your time with members of Soldier On? Well, this is an organization that is truly committed to, um, you know, giving opportunities and uh, and programming to ser- service individuals um, who've been part of the Canadian Armed Forces. And, you know, I knew surface level information about Soldier On prior to going and doing this presentation. But uh, after meeting the individuals in the room, um, I was just blown away with their commitment, um, you know, to our country, obviously, as well as um, just the idea of introducing physical literacy as a way of bridging the gap between, um, you know, abilities that an individual may have had before uh, and then having to adapt or adjust to those, uh, you know, changes to your body uh, if you, after you sustain an injury, whether it's physical or mental. And um, I'm just really, really blown away by, by the programming and by the individuals involved. Yeah, I had a chance to do a story with Soldier On probably about 10 years ago when I was working for AMI this week. It was either late 2013 or early 2014. And I remember just some of the folks I met there um, being tremendously committed to the cause because it's not just about rehabilitation. It's about rehabilitation with a purpose and a sense of community. Yes. And I, I think that really matters when you think about sort of the the trauma that goes along with developing an injury or an illness in the line of service. I, 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 the word bravery gets used a lot, probably too much in some of these conversations. But when you talk about people who are service members, these are the individuals who run towards the danger, where maybe our instinct in life is to get away from the danger. These are folks who are compelled, (laughs) like, like, like these are folks who are compelled to do it. They have to do it. And that comes with traumatic consequences, but it's, it's about building community through rehabilitation and, and helping people understand what their new life experience might be. No, 100%. And I think that, like, you know, you may understand or uh, on a little level what you're signing up for when you sign up to be part of the armed forces, but you don't really know until you're in it. And these individuals to continue to stay committed um, to that mission and that vision, um, it means it's a true honor for me to come in for a few moments and to share some of my insights as a member from the disability community, maybe help to shed some light on the possibilities that can happen after an injury, even though I was born with my disability. And, uh, and the things that they need to stay committed on and knowing that it's not for nothing. You know, they've, they've helped over 10,000 service members um, through this program uh, get back on their feet, both metaphorically and, and literally. And, uh, and I just think it's incredible to even have a small part of that. Marco, no need to give away all the goods here, but what were some of the key messages that you wanted to share with them? So I do disability awareness training through the Rick Hansen Foundation, and that was through this program that I was doing. I was doing a disability awareness 
uh, presentation. But Dave, you know I can't just do something cookie cutter. And so when I knew I was going in for Soldier On, I incorporated stories I don't tell to any other group. I talked about um, you know, what it was like for me as a former athlete, competitive athlete in disability sport, um, you know, transitioning and, and sort of looking at myself, you know, into COVID and saying, I'm not the athletic shape that I used to be, and really having to uh adapt to my body and get back into shape and what it was like to rediscover my love for physical literacy and physical fitness and tie that into some of the stories that many of those members would be going through as well. So this was so much more than just your standard disability awareness training for me and understanding uh, individuals with disabilities, how to communicate with individuals with disabilities in order to support them with their programming. Mm. This was, you know, about my personal vulnerabilities as well and getting super vulnerable with all those members so that they understand that it's okay to share your experiences and it's okay um, to have that build you up and the rest of your team up. And so this is why for me, it was so impactful by the end of it i had so many of the members saying hey listen if you ever want to contribute to some of the work that we're doing we're happy to have you and i yeah. said i would absolutely do that and they said be careful what you wish for but <laughs> this is the group that in part is going to be helping to bring the invictus games um you know to to canada to vancouver in 2025 so i mean to plant a seed in their mind that i'm ab absolutely willing to dust off um and uh, the re retirement of my competitive athletic self in order to contribute to any programs they have um i think they were fully on board with that <laughs> you, you, you know marco this this might seem a little bit more abstract but i think it relates to what you were just talking about being able to share your experience as someone who was born with a disability but knows what it's like to go through changes related to disability in their life. I had a really similar opportunity recently to present at the uh, Fighting Blindness Canada's Young Leaders Summit, and a few of the conversations I was struck sharing my perspective as someone who was born legally blind to some folks who have acquired a disability or going through like a degradation in their vision over time, a degenerative condition. How do you think people who were born with disabilities can be more inclusive or more mindful mm -hmm. of welcoming people who acquire a disability because the experience is shared, but it's also different. Yeah, and it's going to be different for anyone who goes through any form of trauma or transition in their life, right? I mean, I once some, had someone in a workplace inappropriately say to me, once they discovered I had cerebral palsy, they said, oh, never mind, that's different than having something that you used to have and then losing it. You know, I, I, I thought you were somebody who was injured and so that you would have been able to relate to what it was like to have been able to walk completely oof, before. Oof, oof. And I was blown away by that, right? But however, um, you know, comments like that only give me more fuel, uh, you know, in the fire um, to really highlight to individuals that it doesn't matter where, what point in your life you came in to join the disability community. That's just it. We're a community, right? And I think to, to build someone up and to have them realize that there is life after injury, there is life after disability, and disability is doesn't have to be a death sentence with regards to how you see yourself and how you build yourself up. Um, and I think that that is the really important part here, is that we're recognizing that no matter where you came into the disability community, you're still a contributing member of society. And who knows better than about being a contributing member of society than a, um, you know, service individual who's part of the Canadian Armed Forces, mm. who's been serving us uh, for the majority of their career. And now they have to learn to adjust to civilian life. That can't be easy for someone who is, uh, who's been there from, from the get-go. And you and I know all too well that a lot of the work that you have to do in disability training and disability 
advocacy and accessibility training is oftentimes starting with people from some ground zero of knowledge. So I yeah. think sometimes there's also, there has to be this notion of like patience and understanding mm -hmm. that if somebody is going through something traumatic, you have to let them do that. You can't just start pounding them with like a lot of this disability identity stuff right off the no. top. Like let them get through their experience and find their aha moment. Don't try and foist that upon them. No, and that's exactly it, dude. I think like step outside of yourself, recognize that, you know, I've been, I've had my disability for 38 years and that's going to be completely different for somebody who's newly injured and totally just adjusting to the fact that maybe even six months ago, um, they were doing something completely different as a result of different abilities. And now uh, as a result of an injury, they're a different person and they're adjusting to that. So thank goodness for Soldier On and their programs um, and everything that they offer as a way to transition that is comfortable um, for so many of these members um, and does so in a way that utilizes humor. I mean, these are some of the funniest people I've ever met when I was in the room with them and they're cracking jokes with yeah. me back and forth. Um, and they're talking about, you know, doing their sports and getting involved and doing woodworking and various things like, uh, you know, we're sharing a lot of images right now. The Children was so gracious to share their entire Flickr album with us um, to showcase um, some of the uh, service members really just being out there having fun and communities across the country. Yeah. Um, so I do want to encourage people to go to soldieron.ca and learn about what this group is doing because um, a lot of the times, yes, we understand these individuals as heroes, but it's the unsung heroes that are a part of this program that is helping to build them up, um, you know, to to get back out there and to be the incredible human beings that they are. Mm. Marco, got to be a little quick on this last thought, but you are no stranger to traveling. Uh, I would say you might be one of the most frequent flyers of the whole crew here on the uh, Now <laughs> with Dave Brown Extended Universe team. How was the uh, travel between Vancouver and Ottawa back and forth uh, going from point A to point Z? Yeah, so really quickly, what I wanted to talk about is I oftentimes will upgrade myself. I'll pay for the upgrade to travel into business class. And so, you know, I, I just wanted to state that the way in which I experience business class with regards to the comfortability, being closer to the front of the plane, being closer to the bathroom as somebody with a mobility challenge, I think is the way that most people should experience flight and travel. And I think it's atrocious that as time has gone on, we've had less and less from airline organizations and have to pay a steeper ticket for just your standard economy. Um, you know, not all, air, all airlines are created equal. I won't get into too many details, but I always have a much better experience with WestJet than I do with Air Canada. No, no offense, Air Canada, but you know, and with regards to my chair security, with regards to my own security and just respecting myself as an individual, Individual with a disability. Uh, I, I say WestJet all the way, but although I know my friends in the East uh, don't necessarily travel with WestJet as much, um, but I will say that it was an incredible experience, a very comfortable experience, but you shouldn't have to pay a premium in order to get that comfort. And yeah. so I, I just want to kind of make that statement to the airline industry. I know that they're struggling a lot right now, and so price hikes have been a thing, um, but also you wouldn't be struggling as much as if you take a step back and really look at um, how you train your staff, how your staff understands supporting people with disabilities and various equipments. Um, I think people would uh, rely and really be able to trust the industry a lot more. I like how you put that, taking a step back and zooming out and considering how to improve someone's flight experience as opposed to perpetually chipping away at it. What a, what a, novel, yeah. a novel concept. Marco, <laughs> thank you for this. Have a great day. Thanks for your perspective on all these stories.
Uh, thanks, Dave, as always. That's Marco Pasqua, co-founder of Meaningful Access Consulting. You can follow Marco on Twitter at Marco underscore Pasqua. So Pasqua is P-A-S-Q-U-A, at Marco Pasqua. In 60 seconds, Elizabeth Moeller will have the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Rob Westgate with your morning business minutes. A broad-based decline pulled North American stock markets lower on Friday, dragged down by losses in financial, telecom, and base metal sectors. Toronto's S&P TSX losing 233 points, closing at 19,116. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 287 points, down to 33,127, while the Nasdaq fell 202 points to 12,984. Asian markets have started the week lower, with Japan's Nikkei finishing down 260 points, at 31,000. The head of Via Rail is calling on Ottawa to come up with a passenger bill of rights for rail services. Meantime, experts say many Canadian homeowners are facing the tough decision on whether to renew or refinance their mortgages, and the Canadian Agri-Food Policy Institute is calling for a national plan to sustainably manage water use for the agri-food sector. And the loonie is trading at 72.86 cents US. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Rob Westgate. Thank you very much, Rob. Let's head over to Elizabeth Moeller for the weather story of the day. So, Elizabeth, there was frost on the ground walking into work today in southern Ontario. It was, Dave. After a chilly, chilly weekend, southern Ontarians are in for a little bit of a seasonal whiplash as temperatures warm up again to round out the month. So southern Ontario is going to face a seasonal whiplash as temperatures go from frosty to toasty. Tuesday, October 3rd, believe it or not, was the last mainly sunny day for all of Ontario. And since then, we've been dodging countless systems and belts of cloud. But October is typically the month where we really see the increase in hours of cloud coverage across Southern Ontario. But a surprising trend is taking place. After today, our first mainly sunny day in nearly three weeks, that's a long time, the temperatures will reverse course from the typical seasonal decline, and we're going to be experiencing some unusually warm temperatures for the final week of October leading up to Halloween. That'll be nice. Highs will average around 12 degrees for the greater Toronto area, and they'll fall to 10 degrees as you work your way to, uh, towards Ottawa, and even lower as you work your way to North Bay, where it's only going to be 7 degrees. The overnight lows will also be exceptionally warm for this time of year. Elizabeth, thank you very much for this. Talk to you in a couple of minutes with the Entertainment Report. Speaking of entertainment, coming up next, Haunted Mansion is a horror comedy flick that you can find on Disney+. And you can find Amy Amanti giving it a review after the break. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv.
Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.